and eventually they'll be up here doing this, preaching us like they were from their hearts this morning. So thanks for sharing with us. Well, <clears throat> glad to have this opportunity to be able to share from the word with you this morning. Um, but let's go to God in prayer. Father God, thank you so very much for the privilege of being able to just uh, be in your presence, to honor and glorify you this morning, to praise you, and um, to look into your word, God, which is most precious. And um, it reveals to us who you truly are and uh, gives us insight into your heart, to your being, to the very core of who you are. It's like a truly a treasure that we can either treasure it or not, but we have the choice and the opportunity to do so. And God, we do want to treasure your word and, and look into it this morning to give us a better insight and, and to guide us deeper to drawing more closer to you each and every day. Thank you for the service. We pray that it'll um, be uh, pleasing to you this morning. We love you. Thank you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll turn your Bibles, if you will, to Matthew chapter 22. This month's theme is more love. And I want to look at more love of God, Jesus, and God's word this morning. In Matthew chapter 22, beginning in verse 36, it says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. And another place says, love them with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And there's another version that may even read a little differently, but we get the gist. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then turn over, if you will, to John chapter 1. You know, we're familiar with uh, the greatest commandment because, of course, being Americans, we want to know what is the greatest, what is the best, because we... Are, it's ingrained in us to strive for the best. We want to know what the best is. So Matthew, maybe not the verse, but definitely the, the scripture itself, we're familiar with that. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. But then what may not be as obvious is John chapter 1. And if you haven't read through the book of John, um, I'm sorry, John chapter 1, I definitely encourage you to do so. We're only going to look at a portion here for what we want to do this morning. Beginning in verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. And skipping down to verse 14, says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, for this morning, what I want to do is I want to combine both of those um, scriptures, passages right there. To say, love the Lord your God, Jesus, and the word with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. You know, sometimes we can see the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is one. 
other times when we look into this passage, we see, okay, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. What does that mean? But I want to throw in there the word. Love God, Jesus, and the word. Because we see from John 1, it says they all three were the same. The Father, and then the word, and then the word became flesh. They were all the same. And so this morning, I want to look at loving God, Jesus, and the word. But it's going to be a little different than what you're probably used to because the emphasis will be on loving the word. And you'll see what I mean when we get there. So turn over to 1 John chapter 5. We'll start with more love of God. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, and many of us may be familiar with this passage as well. It reads, this is love for God to obey his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. You know, and once again, you know, we want to know what's the greatest commandment. Okay, love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, soul. Okay, what does that mean to love God? Okay, there's a passage that says love God. This is what it means, to obey his commands. But you know what? <laughs> Obeying his commands, at times it may be easy, but difficult in most occasions. You know, if you live long enough, the struggles will come. And probably struggles, if you're not in the Word, will come probably more often than not. And the Israelites, they had a problem with this. Let's turn over to Psalms chapter 78. And actually, for today, we'll be digging into a lot of the Psalms, although we're going to hit a couple other passages along the way. But we'll be digging into Psalms for the most part. Psalms chapter 78. The Israelites had trouble trying to stay obedient to God. We'll see here in this passage, beginning in verse 32. It reads, in spite of all this, they kept on sinning. In spite of his wonders, they did not believe. So he ended their days in futility and their years in terror. Whenever God slew them, they would seek him. They eagerly turned to him again. They remembered that God was their rock, that God, that God most high was their redeemer. But then they would flatter him with their mouths, lying to him with their tongues. Their hearts were not loyal to him. They were not faithful to his covenant. Yet he was merciful. He forgave their iniquities and did not destroy them. Time after time, he restrained his anger and did not stir up his full wrath. You know, I mean, none of us have seen these kind of miracles that they saw verbatim. Spread, splitting the Red Sea, and panicking, and then God saving them. First of all, before they, he split the Red Sea, panicking, he split the Red Sea, and then they see the, the um, Egyptians coming at them, then they start panicking, and then he go ahead and cover them with the sea, and they get past that, then they in the wilderness, and they complain, and Psalms talk about all this too. Oh, yeah, we were eating it up nice. We had delicacies when we were back in Egypt. Let us go back there. He, can he feed us? He provides bread for a manna. That, I mean, just tons of it. Tons upon tons. Oh, well, you know, we was eating meat. Quail. Tons upon tons of quail. What about the water? You know, we're thirsty. Rivers flowing. I mean, none of us have seen that, you know, water come out of the rock flowing like rivers, splitting the Red Sea, and manna showing up out of nowhere, and quail just so much. Because when we see it, it'd be like, I'm not eating that. I might mess around and die from that. But he provided it day in and day out. Form. He showed many miracles, 
And even before then, the miracles when he brought them out of Egypt with the 10 plagues. I mean, we haven't even come close to inkling that, although we've seen the miracles of change in our lives if we've been looking closely. But we haven't witnessed the kind of miracles that they did, and yet they turned away from God anyway. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Where, where, where did the love go? Well, love for God is obey his commands. They could not obey his commands after seeing all of his miracles. Let's turn over to Matthew chapter 9. In Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse 13, it says, But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. You know, even going back to 1 John 5, 3, thinking, okay, if I just obey his commands, that's my love for God. You know, all I got to do is obey his commands. I'm good. No. That, I mean, it takes more than that. Fall in love with God takes a lot more than that. You know, and even when he says here, you may be thinking, okay, as long as I don't sin or if I'm not sinning, then I'm good with God. That's not good enough. That's not going to draw you deeper, deeper, and deeper in love with God. Nope. Just doing things to love God doesn't mean we're in love with God. Sometimes we obey out of love, without love. For example, I mean, we got laws of the land here in the United States. Okay, don't kill somebody. I mean, uh, I mean, we're not going to kill somebody, but that doesn't mean that we love the government just because we're going to obey the laws. So, you know, obeying the laws of the land doesn't mean equal to loving the government. And just the same with obeying God, it's like, okay, it's only going to get you so far. But being in love with God, when you're in love with God, you're going to obey his commands. It's like, man, forget that. I won't obey. What's going to hold me back from obeying his commands? Nothing, because I'm in love with God. Not, man, I need to do this to be in love with God. Okay, let me do this. It's only going to last so much longer or so, take you so far. Let's go to Mark chapter 7. It's interesting when Jesus looks at this. Mark chapter 7, beginning in verse 6, it says, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. Then skipping down to verse 13, he says, thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down and you do many things like that. So we already know this passage, oh yeah, you know, traditions, we are not going to do the traditions because that nullify the, God, the word of God. So you know what? That shows that my heart isn't in it, that my heart isn't tight with God. So I'm not going to carry on these traditions. And sometimes we can when it comes to having quiet times. If the love isn't there, then it's a tradition. Because he said, and you do many things like that. Going through the motions of having a QT, 
if you're having them, it's a tradition. And if you're not having your QT, then where's your love for God? And the thing about it is that, you know, if we are not having our quiet times or not drawing close to God in our quiet times, God is disappointed for us, not in us. Because God missed out on having spending some time with us, and we miss out spending time with him. Does it ever make you wonder, man, I wonder if it made, me, made God cry if I didn't have my quiet time together, if I didn't really connect with God. You know, how did he feel about that? Did he feel my heart? Did he feel some emotion here? God is not a God of shame. So if you feel shame when you're not having your quiet times, that's not a God, not of God. But God would be thinking, man, you know, man, I missed out. Of, man, I would love to spend some time or dug deeper with a great, a great quiet time. I call them quality time, not quiet times, quality time. Because either it's quiet, quality time or it's not. We're either looking at the law, checking off a box, man, I had my quiet time, or love, connecting or engaging in a relationship with God. Psalms 119, verse 2, you don't have to turn there, but it says, Blessed are they who keep his statutes and seek them with all their heart. You know, that love for God, it kind of come hand in hand. So love for God should compel us to seek him more, and he's found in his word. Okay, so now let's take a look at Jesus. Okay, more love of Jesus. You know, John chapter 1 talked about the word becoming flesh. Jesus was a word that then became flesh. So if we want to love Jesus more, one way to love him is the word, through the word. Let's look at um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we're only going to hit on this real quick before we dig into the emphasis of the word. But John, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 14, it says, For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. I mean, Jesus loved us enough that he was willing to die for us. Man, does that not compel you? <laughs> what, what does his love compel you to do? Hopefully it compels you to dig deeper into the word than ever. Because love for Jesus Christ should compel us to seek him more, and he's found in the word. Many of us are familiar with Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Do you feel like that? Do you feel like just like you need air, which you probably take for granted because you breathe without even, unless you got sinuses, and sometimes even that, you know, you get through, oh man, I'm feeling good today, and then for the rest of the day, it may slip your mind that, man, every second of the day you're taking a breath, but the fact of the matter is that man lives on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, <clears throat> you know, I've been listening and reading Psalm 119, but doing more listening than reading because I, I love to hear it. 
especially in downtime. But I think from Psalm 119, we see a psalmist who is in love with God. You know, when I talk to people about Psalm 119, I say, hey, you know, um, Psalm 119 is basically really about God's word in some form of fashion because throughout the entire chapter, all 176 verses, I mean, it's in there, oh, the word, uh, the word, the precept, the concept. As a matter of fact, he used six to eight to nine different versions, precepts, word, statutes, law, commands. It's a variety, and we'll see that in a minute when we read through some of this. And, you know, I was reading through, and, came, and then it came to mind, man, the word. Jesus and the word are the same. So what if, going through Psalm 119, I substituted every version of the word with Jesus' name? What would that look like? How would that make me feel? I had no clue what it would make me feel, but I wondered what it would look like. But man, after reading it and saying it that way, it's something awesome. And so we're going to get a chance to see a little bit of that this morning. It dawned on me that Jesus and the Word of God are interchangeable. <clears throat> so you can look up here. You can open your Bibles to Psalm 119. And I want you to read along as I read this. And this can be prayed as well. And I encourage you to pray it and read it and read it and pray it and mix it and match it and however you want to do it, but read it in a prayer in some form or fashion. And we're going to do that this morning as you read along. I'm going to substitute Jesus in for the word. And we're only going to read a, a couple of versions. Uh, I'm not sure how many stanzas he's going to be able to put up there. There are 22 stanzas. We're only going to read a handful. Um, so we're not going to go through the whole thing. But... Um, I believe this is something awful, and I'm, I'm excited this morning. So let's start in verse 1. Aleph, blessed are the day whose ways are blameless, who walk according to Jesus. Blessed are the day who keep Jesus and seek him with all their heart. They do nothing wrong. They walk in his ways. You have laid down Jesus to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying Jesus. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider Jesus. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn Jesus. I will obey Jesus. Do not utterly forsake me. Beth, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to Jesus. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from Jesus. I have hidden Jesus in my heart that I may not sin against you. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me Jesus. With my lips, I recount Jesus that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following Jesus as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on Jesus and consider your ways. I delight in Jesus. I will not neglect Jesus. Do good to your servant and I will live. I will obey Jesus. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in Jesus. I am a stranger on earth. Do not hide Jesus from me. My soul is consumed with longing for Jesus at all times. You rebuke the arrogant who are cursed and who stray from Jesus. 
Remove me from scorn and contempt, for I keep Jesus. The rulers sit together and slander me. Your servant will meditate on Jesus. Jesus is my delight. He is my counselor. Dropping down to verse 65. Teth. Do good to your servant according to Jesus, O Lord. Teach me knowledge and good judgment, for I believe in Jesus. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey Jesus. You are good, and what you do is good. Teach me, Jesus. Though the arrogant have smeared me with lies, I keep Jesus with all my heart. Their hearts are callous and unfeeling, but I delight in Jesus. It was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn Jesus. Jesus is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. Dropping down to verse 97. Oh, how I love Jesus. I meditate on him all day long. Jesus makes me wiser than my enemies, for he is ever with me. I have more sight than all my teachers, for I meditate on Jesus. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey Jesus. I have kept my feet from every evil path so that I may obey Jesus. I have not departed from Jesus, for you yourself have told me how sweet is Jesus to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from Jesus. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. <laughs> now, when you're reading through that, I don't know about you, but it's just something that does to me. Obeying God, man, you read through something like that, and it's like, oh, my goodness. Oh, that's what I want to do. Sin, what is sin? Forget that. This is what I'm talking about. This is what I want. And then when you read it over and over again, and you can mix it and match it and do it however you want, if that can't touch you, then I, I don't know what can but let's take a look. Let's dissect some of these verses. Are you struggling with sin, with any kind of sin? Verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to Jesus. Verse 11. I have hidden Jesus in my heart that I may not sin against you. Verse 101. I have kept my feet from every evil path so that I might obey Jesus. Verse 104, I again understand, I gain understanding from Jesus, therefore I hate every wrong path. Do you see your problems as punishment from God or God using it for good? Verse 67, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey Jesus. You are good, and what you do is good. Teach me, Jesus. And verse 71, it was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn Jesus. You know, the psalmist right there, I mean, even in that one stanza, kind of, you see a progression. Before he was afflicted, he went astray. Now he's obeying Jesus. Okay, love for God, obey his commands. Okay, I'm obeying Jesus. And then it says, you are good and what you do is good. Do you believe that? That, oh man, I'm going through this punishment or this hard time, this is an affliction. But he said, it's good for me to go through that affliction that I might learn Jesus. And verse 68 said, teach me Jesus. And then 
71, he says, that I might learn Jesus. He's like, teach me Jesus. Okay, okay, God trying to teach you. Showing you some affliction, allowing affliction to happen to you. God, take it away, take it away. No, God is not good. He allows evil to happen. No, that wasn't of God, but God can use anything for the good. So I can see, man, this is what I'm going through. God is using it, how? To shape my character, to build me, to make me stronger. Man, teach me, let me learn some more about Jesus. See, he wasn't like, uh, take this away. He was like, let me go through it because now I see that you are good. But you got to go through the affliction to understand that. Okay. Do you need help or counseling with the issues in your life? Verse 24. Jesus is my delight. He is my counselor. Or verse 66. Teach me knowledge and good judgment. For I believe in Jesus. I mean, it's in the word there. Okay. Are you not having your quiet times? Well, like I said, quality times. Verse 16. I delight in Jesus. I will not neglect Jesus. You know that, I mean, when you read that in context of everything else going on, it's like... <laughs> Neglect Jesus? Come on now. That would be absurd. That would be ludicrous. Because through, pepper throughout this entire chapter 119 is Jesus all over the place. And for me to neglect, there's no way I'm going to neglect him. But that's the idea or the vision of somebody who's in love with Jesus that there's no way that they're going to let the neglect of the word happen, period, point blank. It's not going to happen. Jesus, the word of God, is it truly Lord of your life? Verse 2, blessed are they who keep Jesus and seek him with all their heart. Verse 10, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from Jesus. Verse 20, my soul is consumed with longing for Jesus at all times. And this is the kicker for me. Verse 97, oh, how I love Jesus. I meditate on him all day long. I can hear that over and over. I don't know about you. Oh, how I love Jesus. I can meditate on him all day long. I mean, I could just let that ring through my head over and over and over and over again. I don't care. I don't care about nothing, really, when it boils down to it, than just hearing that. I mean, and that's just one of many throughout. I mean, many throughout Psalms 119, many throughout the entire Psalms, many throughout all the scriptures. This is just a snippet of what Psalm 119 has to offer, let alone the rest of the Psalms, let alone the rest of the Bible. And you know, really the scriptures are the road map or treasure map to the riches that God has waiting for us. Like in verse 72, it says, Jesus is more precious to me 
than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. Do you feel like that this morning? Is that what Jesus means to you? More than the riches? Okay. Well, when we get up in the morning, we say, oh, I'm not going to miss work, but I'm going to neglect the word. What is that saying? That's saying my job is more important to me than Jesus. Now, I'm not saying don't, don't make it to your job. What I am saying is, is there any reason for you to miss your quiet time or quality time? I'm going to be at work, but I guarantee before I be at work, I'm definitely going to be in the work. Now, I'm not saying you got to be legalistic and have your quiet time in the morning, but guarantee you when I wake up, the first thing will come to mind is not, well, I got to get up for work. When I roll out of the bed, the first thing I'm thinking, I can't wait to get into the word. And if I don't get it before I go to work, which I can't remember that happening for quite a while now, it's going to happen. Before I lay my head, I guarantee you. I mean, I, I haven't crossed that bridge yet, but when I do, I, I mean, I'm going to sneak some, you know, during the day, pulling it out, meditating on it or something throughout the day. Brothers and sisters, we need to be reading and praying the words of God every day, all day throughout the day, day and night, day, middle of the day, end of the day. Pray it out loud, pray it silently, mix and match and switch it up however you need to. But I pray that if you want to love God, that you would love his word. Because that's what the commandments say. Love the Lord your God, Jesus, and the word with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. I took the liberty to add in that Jesus and the word piece, but we know the scriptures pretty much basically pieces together. That's what it say. Let's fall in love with the word like our lives depend on it. Amen. I hope that was helpful, and to God be the glory.